This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. One last time that the resource for this month is finished at the end of this day. We will no longer be offering and making available the book, Questions to Answers About Adversity. It's been very widely received, and we want to make sure that you get your copy before it's too late. Here's what you need to do. Make sure you get your gift in the mail today and ask for your copy of the book on adversity. When you send a gift to Turning Point of any size, we will send this book to you as our way of saying thank you. We want you to be ministered to as you minister to us We've done this from the very outset of this ministry. Continue to do it faithfully. We want you to have resources that will strengthen you in your walk with the Lord. And especially in these days when sometimes it seems so hard, here are some really great answers from the Word of God to help you overcome and soar above your circumstances. So ask for your copy of this gift book. This is the last day to do it. So um, if you have procrastinated, uh, don't wait any longer. Get your request in. And when you send your gift, ask for this particular book. Now, we're going to open our Bibles once again to Acts chapter 1, finish up what we started yesterday. We've called this message, The Prelude to Power. Now, if you hold your place in the book of Acts in the first chapter and you want to have a little proof that Acts and Luke go together, just hold your place in Acts chapter 1 and go back to the last chapter of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. And there you will see kind of a similar statement that Luke makes at the end of his gospel. In verse 48 he says, You are witnesses of these things. Behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you. Let me stop for just a moment. Whenever you see that little phrase, the promise of the Father, it's always talking about the Holy Spirit. That's a little catchphrase in the New Testament that means the promise of the Father was that the Holy Spirit was going to come. But here I want you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them, carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now, the Holy Spirit has always been in the world. The Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is God. God is eternal. Not, that doesn't mean just eternal out into the future, but it means eternal back into history. There's never been a time when the Holy Spirit was not in existence. But the Holy Spirit had a certain kind of ministry in the Old Testament. And I want to give you a key little verse that will help you always to remember that ministry. If you will take your Bibles and turn to John 14, 17, you will see what I mean. Here Jesus is promising that the Spirit of God is coming. Now watch this. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now watch this. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now just take that little phrase. He dwells with you and he will be in you. That little phrase tells you the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament operation of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with those who were of God. 
But in the New Testament, he's not just with us, he is in us. And at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and began his indwelling ministry within us. So you and I today don't have the Holy Spirit just with us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Can I get a witness? The Holy Spirit is in us. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit if we are believers. And Jesus said to these apostles who were going to be the foundation of the church, listen carefully, he says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to stay there and I don't want you to leave until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you because if you go out to start the church without the indwelling Holy Spirit, you will fall on your faces and fail. And what a reminder that is to us men and women that when we try to do the work of the church without the Holy Spirit, we are doomed to failure. The disciples were commanded to stay in Jerusalem until they were filled with the Spirit. D.L. Moody once said, you might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, breathe without lungs, as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. You might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, and breathe without lungs, as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. There is no power in your human ability, no power in my human ability, no power in our education, no power in our polish. The power comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit. And what a great lesson from the early church. Jesus told those apostles, you stay in that room until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you before you go out and try to do church. So maybe that's one of the first lessons we can take from the book of Acts, and that is, the acts of the Holy Spirit are what Jesus wants to continue in our generation today. So we have the continuing story and the convincing proofs and the command to wait, and now we come to the end of these verses and the commission to witness. Now, the commission to witness section begins with verses 6 and 7 with a little preoccupation, and I always think this is strange because whenever you start talking about witnessing, everybody gets preoccupied. Have you noticed that? You say, we're going to have a class on Monday night for everybody to come, and after the class, we're all going to go out and knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. And everybody says, I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> because witnessing has always been such a challenge to us. Somebody said, there's two ways you can embarrass the average church. Ask them, when was the last time you witnessed, and when was the last time you tried? Well, the apostles were just like we are. When it was about time for the commission to come, they wanted to discuss theology. So they got preoccupied after the resurrection. The apostles were still not convinced what the resurrection was all about. Many of them thought that Jesus was going to bring in the kingdom, that he was going to establish a literal kingdom on earth, that he would be King Jesus, and that what is going to happen in the millennium was going to happen back then. So verses 6 and 7, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, I don't want to dwell on these questions because we've talked about this in the past, about the fact that you can never know what day the Lord's going to come back. Not even the angels know. And the Son of God did not know while he was on this earth. Only the Father knew. We don't know the times and the seasons. But I want you to notice that the really important reason why this preoccupation is here in these verses is to show us how easy it is for us to get off point center. Go back and look in your Bibles and notice again what Jesus said. He said, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but 
You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. What was Jesus saying? Let's don't sit around here and discuss eschatology. Let's don't sit around here and talk about the times and the seasons. The important thing is that right now you need to be filled with the Spirit of God and you need to go out and witness in your world and make a difference because of what you have seen and what you know to be true. So Jesus gave them the priority in verse 8. The preoccupation is in verse 6 and 7 and the priority is in verse 8. Jesus said, here's the priority. Get the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit and then go witness. He gave them a promise. He says, you shall receive. He told them the Spirit of God was coming and that they were going to receive the Spirit of God. Ten days later, the Spirit of God came just as Jesus promised. He said, you shall receive power. And the Greek word for power is the word dynamis. Anybody know what we get from that word? The word dynamite. Did you know that dynamite was invented by the man whose name is Alfred Bernhard Nobel, the man from whom we get the Nobel Prize. I don't want to go into the story about the Nobel Prize, but the Nobel Prize came about because he was so devastated with all of the terrible things dynamite was doing, he offered a reward for anybody who could do something meaningful to create peace. That's where the Nobel Prize came from. But the interesting thing about it is when he was looking for a word to describe this new explosive power that he discovered, he went to somebody who knew Greek and he said to the person, what is the Greek word that describes the most explosive power that's in the Greek language? And the person told him that the word was dynamis. It's the word that's in our text. You shall receive dynamite. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When you look at what happened in the early church in the book of Acts, what you see is a dynamic that you cannot describe in terms that you've ever known before. I don't know any church, even the great churches of Korea and the other places where the burgeoning numbers of people come, nothing has ever happened in history like the early church. They were given the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the promise, you will receive it. Here's the power, it's the dynamite of the gospel. And here's the person in whom it is located, the Holy Spirit who will come upon you. And you're going to get used to the Holy Spirit if you read the book of Acts because he's mentioned in the book of Acts more than 50 times. He directed and controlled all the decisions in the early church. It was the Holy Spirit's power that endued the early Christians so that their accomplishments were supernatural. And I want to say to you again, any church that's going to do anything for God better have the Holy Spirit making most of the decisions because I've been around long enough to know some of mine that didn't work when I didn't trust God to give me the right ones. And we need the Spirit of God in this church helping us to know what to do. And then he said that the purpose, the promise was you shall receive. The power was you shall receive power. The person was when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the purpose of this power was, and you shall be witnesses to me. Now, Jesus' last words in the Gospels are usually called the Great Commission. And I went back and I reminded myself that the Great Commission in one form or another is in all four of the Gospels. Did you know that? The Great Commission is in all four of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, it is in Mark, it is in Luke, and it is in John. And is in the book of Acts as well as we have just read. Jesus' last words were that the disciples were to go out into the world and they were to witness about what they had seen. What were they to say? I can't imagine that they had a very long script. 
We have seen Jesus who came back from the grave. He was resurrected just as he said. He is the one he claims to be. You need to put your trust in him. He has proven that he is indeed the Son of God. And in the Son of God, there is life. And if you want eternal life, you better put your trust in the Son of God. How do we know that? We have been with him. We have seen him in his resurrected body. We are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And their witness was so powerful because they had actually been a part of seeing all of this with their own eyes. Jesus then, having given them the purpose to witness, gave them the plan. And here is the plan. He said, here's what I want you to do. He didn't just send them out and tell them to go everywhere. He said, I've got a plan. I want you to go to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He literally gave them a threefold outline for the dissemination of the gospel. Go to Jerusalem first, the city where Jesus was crucified. And then go to Judea and Samaria, the province where Jerusalem was the capital and the next providence where there lived a mixed people whose religion was Judaism and idolatry. And then to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's where our lesson stops. But I got to stop and tell you, I didn't get very far into this book before. I just felt a sense of amazement. Because what Jesus told those people to do, they did. And they reached their generation with the gospel like no church has ever reached their generation with the gospel. They went everywhere witnessing to the power of the resurrected Christ. In AD 165, there was a man who was writing by the name of Justin Martyr. And this is what he said about the influence of the church in those early days of the church. He said, there is not a single race of human beings, barbarians, Greek, or whatever name you please to call them, nomads or vagabonds or herdsmen living in tents where prayers in the name of Jesus the crucified are not offered up. Through all the members of the body is the soul spread, so are Christians throughout the cities of the world. Tertullian, another church father who wrote about the year 200, declared, we are but of yesterday, and we have filled every place among you cities and islands and fortresses and towns and marketplaces, the very camp and tribes and companies and palaces and senates and forums, we have left nothing to you but the temples of your gods. Behold, every corner of the universe has experienced the gospel and the whole ends and bounds of the world are occupied with the gospel. How did that happen? Because a group of men were filled with the Holy Spirit and they believed with all of their hearts in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and on fire they went everywhere preaching the gospel listen the first missionary movement was primarily lay ministry it wasn't a bunch of preachers these were fishermen and tax collectors and common people who were filled with the Spirit of God and they changed their world so I have to ask myself this question in terms of application as we close what was it that galvanized these Christians? Let's just review for a moment. What was different about them than is true about so many of us? And I put myself right in the center of that category. There are four things about these people that made the difference, and you can pick them right up in the text. First of all, they were a convinced people. They were convinced. Jesus did not just give his disciples good ideas. He gave them his life. He came to them as one who had come back from the dead. He appeared to them in such a dynamic way that they could never forget that he was the one who had died and had now come back to life. 
It was this knowledge that propelled the apostles into the pagan world with the assurance and the knowledge and the confidence that they had a true message to preach. They weren't worried about whether or not it would be proven untrue. They knew it was true. They were convinced of the gospel. Are you convinced? Oh, I'm not asking, are you saved? But are you convinced? Are you certain? Because I'll tell you what, you can never win anyone to the Lord until, first of all, you know in your own heart that what you believe is true. You say, well, I can't see the risen Lord. No, you have a much better opportunity. You can read all the accounts of the resurrection Lord and all of his appearances and all of the documents. There is a scientific method of study which if you were to follow it, you would be the most convinced person on the face of the earth because nobody who's ever taken that trail has walked away as an unbeliever. They were convinced. But secondly, they were not only convinced, they were commissioned. You don't see the disciples having meetings at night trying to figure out what to do they didn't have strategy meetings they already knew the strategy because god had given it to them i wonder sometimes if all of our seminars and our board meetings and all the stuff we do to try to figure out how to do church why don't we just do what god told us to do why don't we start in jerusalem and judea and samaria and the uttermost part of the world that's his plan that's his strategy Filled with the Spirit of God, just be witnesses. Oh, I know we need some programs and we need to put feet to our prayers and all of that. But isn't it possible, men and women, that we have complicated this whole business of doing church? Isn't it possible that we've made it so difficult now that with every layer of program, we get further and further away from the foundation of the commission that we have been given? Just as the disciples were commissioned, we have been commissioned. We have been given the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that is the simplicity of the outreach program of the church. They were convinced, they were commissioned, and they were committed. They were a committed people. They didn't understand all that was going on. They didn't even know for sure how this was all going to come together. But I remember reading in Acts chapter 4, here's how simple their whole faith was. Acts 4, 19 and 20. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. They were committed because, I mean, what would you do? If you had seen the risen Lord, if you had walked with him all of his earthly ministry, seen him nailed to the cross, seen them take the cross down and take his body off that cross and then found out he was laid in a borrowed tomb, and everybody was mourning his death. And believe me, the disciples did not come to the resurrection as would-be believers. They believed in their own hearts that it was all over. Only John was left at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. But when Jesus came out of the grave and he showed them the prints in his hands and the scar in his side, and they saw the place where the crown of thorns had been on his head, and they realized that this Jesus that they had walked and ministered with in his life was now alive again from the grave, having been dead for three days. They never recovered from that. And my friend, I want you to know, when you get a hold of the power of the resurrection and the importance and priority in your life, you can't recover from it either. That's why I'm in the ministry. I'm in the ministry to preach the gospel because I know I have a risen Savior and that he is alive today, even now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And I've given my life to the gospel because I believe that with all of my heart. And I preach it with all of the strength that God gives me. 
and I put it on the radio and television and in books and in tapes and everywhere I can. Jesus Christ is the living Son of God, and if you put your faith in him, you can go to heaven and be with him forever. Amen? Amen. So they were a convinced people, and they were a commissioned people, and they were a committed people, and because of that, finally, they were a confident people. They weren't arrogant. Sometimes people say, well, the disciples in the early church were arrogant. They walked around with a swagger. You know what? If you had seen what they saw and knew what they knew and you'd experienced what they'd experienced, you'd have some confidence too. It says in Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Which Jesus? The resurrected Jesus. Walking around with this man who had overcome death, which had never happened before. They were so convinced and confident that they had the truth that they couldn't be pushed down no matter what the argument might be. And even the enemies of the gospel recognized that there was a unique confidence in the followers of Jesus. I'll tell you what, men and women, in the early church, there is a pattern for all of us. And I want to ask myself this question as I've been asking it all week. Am I a convinced Christian? Am I commissioned? Absolutely. I know what God has called me to do. Am I committed to it? I hope I am. And am I confident? Yes, I am confident that I hold in my hands the truth of the Word of God and the message of salvation. Plus or minus nothing. Sort it out any way you want. This is the message that God has given us. Doesn't it make sense that a loving, almighty God would give us a message and make it so simple that we could understand it? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. It's the core message of the church. And I hope that as we study the book of Acts and we see the power in the lives of these people, we'll kind of get excited in our own hearts and want to start a little fire where we live by the power of the Spirit of God who still is working today. The book of Acts is not yet finished. God is still working, building his church through men and women like you and me. Amen. Well, as I mentioned to you early on, we're preparing our way for a blockbuster new dramatic series that will be seen on Sunday evenings beginning on Easter night on NBC television. And it's going to be a really exciting thing. Mark Burnett and Roma Downey have produced this new series called AD, The Bible Continues. And it is the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the birth of the early church. Uh, the first 12 episodes will take us all the way through the 11th chapter of Acts. I have written a book to go along with this series at their request, and that book is now available in bookstores everywhere. And uh, that book is the background from the Word of God of each of these dramatic episodes. On Sunday mornings on Turning Point Television, I will be preaching on the very scriptures that will be dramatized that night and pointing people to that series. It is our hope and desire that this will light a fire in the hearts of many people across this nation. What a tremendous privilege and opportunity God has given us. As we teach the book of Acts on the radio every day, we'll be adding fuel to the fire, and I hope you'll join us uh, on a regular basis. Thank you again so much 
for being a part of Turning Point. Your faithful support is really important, especially as we move into initiatives like this. As we count on you, we can't do this by ourselves. Once again, don't forget now, this is the last day for you to get a copy of the book on adversity. If you haven't ordered it already, there's still time, but you need to get your request in today. When you send your gift to Turning Point today, we will send you this beautiful book to help you in your Christian walk as our way of saying thank you for your investment in the ongoing teaching ministry of Turning Point. I'm David Jeremiah, and it's my privilege to join you each day for this time around the Word of God. We'll see you tomorrow. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. If God is using Turning Point to touch your life, let David know by writing to him at the mailing address on our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. There you'll find two free ways to stay connected to Turning Point. A copy of our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and a subscription to our daily email devotional. Just contact us at davidjeremiah.org radio or call 1-800-947-1993. In Canada, call 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's book, Answers to Questions About Adversity, filled with biblical truths to strengthen and encourage you when life gets difficult. It's yours for a gift of any amount when you contact us today. This is Mark Larson. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Church in Action, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Faith Talk 1500, WLQV, streaming live at faithtalk1500.com. We hope you enjoyed David Jeremiah and Turning Point. Stay with us, friends. We're going to be joining Dan McGee next with Grace and Truth Radio. I'm Tom Kitterman. Just a quick reminder here from our Faith Talk 1500 station calendar. Our next Pastor Appreciation Lunch is coming up April 23rd at the San Marino Club in Troy with special guest speaker Dr. Robert Jeffress. Now, friends, if you work in the ministry here in the metro area, we would love to have you be our guest for lunch for free. (laughs) It's easy to do, too. Just go to faithtalk1500.com, and on the homepage there, In the rotating banner, you'll see Dr. Jeffress' picture. Click on that to take you to the sign-up page. You must be pre-registered. Stay with us coming up straight ahead. Dan McGee with Grace and Truth Radio right here on Faith Talk 1500.